If you are visiting with us, my name is Adam King. I am the youth pastor and have been for quite a while, so good morning to you. It's nice to have all of you here today. Hopefully you have an extended weekend. Some don't, I know, but enjoy what time you do have with your family. So this morning's message um, is going to kind of segue into another message that I'm building Um, I feel like I have a message and it's going to be somewhere along the lines of there's a lion in every single one of us. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And don't miss that one. It it very well could be the second Sunday in July, I think the 14th. And I know there's a lot of people on vacation that will be going on vacation. But when I have the opportunity to speak and to preach here in the main service, um, I really want it to be from God to you because I only do this once every maybe two or three months, but obviously have the youth ministry every Sunday night. So this morning's message, I'm going to entitle, When You Have an Itch, You Can't Scratch. Do you ever feel like this? You can't put your finger on it. So this morning, I hope that I will help you define what that looks like for you and maybe even give you two or three possibilities of why you feel this way. So in other words, um, giving you a few possibilities of why maybe you feel frustrated, why maybe you feel down as a Christian. Someone may be trying or attempting to fulfill the call of God in your life But sometimes things hinder that. Sometimes we get confused as to what that might be. Sometimes we get really frustrated as to what that might look like. So I want to open up this with this simple verse that we've all heard many, many times if you've been in church for any length of time. Psalms 42, 1 through 3 that says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. When they continually say to me, where is your God? So many people might have this question today, especially if you've been in the faith for quite some time. Why do I have this itch that just can't be scratched? I hunger, I thirst, but I'm not necessarily satisfied. Why am I maybe so down or unsatisfied? What happened to my former joy? So he continues, Psalm 42, 4 says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. In other words, God, kind of what happened to me? I'm 40 years old now. I look back when I know God called me at 16 as a sophomore in high school. What happened to those, those times, those feelings, those the, the energy maybe that you used to have at being first saved. I remember the days when I would maybe go to the church when the doors were open every time. You wouldn't miss. You'd be here Sunday morning, Sunday evening, maybe the Wednesday prayer service. Being thankful, being appreciative of salvation, recognizing your own self and saying, wow, you did something like this for me. Maybe uh, you say, I felt your presence all around me and I couldn't wait to come back to the house of God when the doors were open. And I was excited to get up every morning and read my Bible or maybe go to bed and read my Bible and learn about you, get to know you more. 
How did you lose that? How did that happen? Where are you right now? Why am I so down? Why do I have this itch that I can't seem to scratch? So I'm going to give you maybe two or three different possibilities as to why we might feel this way. Number one is we as Christians get in this zone or mode sometimes of believing an evil report about ourselves. So we believe this report. This is the first reason. So when the altar call comes, you can jot these notes down. Is this a reason maybe I feel frustrated or I feel down or I feel like I have this itch that I can't quite scratch? So number one is I'm believing an evil report about myself. Okay? So the first reason is because we are receiving an evil report about ourselves in the days when God was bringing his people out of captivity into a place of promise. He sent 12 spies into that land and they returned and 10 of them said basically in Numbers 13, man, it's everything God said it is. So you go in and you have this visual, you have this feeling and you're like, wow, it's everything God said it is. You started out in your walk with so much hope, so much promise. You were looking forward to what God was going to do with your life and through you. And you come back with this report, man, there's so much fruit in this land. We cut down just one bough of grapes and we had to put it on a beam between the two of us to carry these things. Grapes. It's that amazing. It's true. We saw it. We saw this plan. We had this vision for our future. I can see it, and it's amazing. But sometimes we believe reports that aren't true about ourselves and how God feels about us. It's a land with this supernatural provision, this vision, this call, this plan that God has for us. But it's not for us. It's for other people. It's not for me. It's for maybe other people out there. So he has this amazing promise, but it's not for me. Well, because there's, there's also giants in, the, in that land as well who intimidate and put fear in us of not putting one foot in front of the other. And we don't go after something with the grit of a bulldog, right? We just kind of settle. This is life. So the giants in their land and it said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. Well, they believe that because they were grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. So they believe that we're grasshoppers now in our own sight. This is how I feel about myself. But on the other hand, two out of these 12 spies agreed with God. Very low percentage agreed with God and said, we, it basically says, yeah, we can go in. Everything the Lord in Numbers 13, everything he's promised us is ours. And it says it's not by might, it's not by power, thank God. Because that levels the playing field for every single person in here. If you have a hungry heart, the ground beneath the cross is level. The hungry heart gets God. We will not win this victory by any of our own strategies. We're going to win because God told us it's ours, but go get it. It's yours, but go get it. However, the people believe the evil report of the ten spies. So out of the twelve, they believe the ten not the two that sided with God. It says in Numbers 14.1, the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. See, it's really important that we have to put away all these other voices that contend for our attention and our focus and our future. 
The voice of our own heart will often condemn us. We know this is true. Sometimes we live in that condemnation and we just saying there is no condemnation. We have to believe those things. Well, I used to believe. Who do you think you are to believe for these things, this vision, this future, this promise? And the enemy comes and says this to you. You know your failings. You know what you struggle with. You know what you struggled with last night when no one was looking. And he, and he whispers these things and he screams these things at times into your ears, into your mind, and into your heart. And it gets deep down and it takes root and then we are paralyzed for doing anything for the Lord. And it's not even just this, but we, we add all these demonic voices come, c- coming from every side that seem to condemn us, saying, yeah, the promises of God are true, but not for you because you're too weak. Look at how much you mess up. Look at how, what you mess up with. What are you holding on to? You can't even get over uh, uh, not forgiving someone that's hurt you. This is what is told to us. We believe these things. They are true, but not for you. You can't go in. They're not for you because of maybe what you did in the past. See, we have to remember that the devil, we know this, is the father of all lies. He is incapable of truth. He cannot tell truth. When he opens his mouth, it is only lies. He wouldn't tell you these things if they were true. Because he can't speak truth. See, we have to learn to open the Bible and we have to declare by the power of your spirit. By the power of your spirit, I will become everything that you have promised I will be. I've been speaking these words a lot. As I'm at home, as I'm driving, as I'm out working in the yard, I'm speaking these things over my life because I know that in some aspects... God is is seasoning me, but I know that in my own flesh, I've also slowed down the move of God in my life because of things I've done, things I've been into, right? But God is saying, it's all seasoning. I'm pulling things out of you, Adam. I'm depositing things in you, Adam, and one of these days, soon, I'm going to make a withdrawal. By the power of your spirit, I will become everything you have promised I will be. I, be, I will believe that, that you died and that you were raised. You took captivity captive. And then what do he do? He says, it's better for me to go away. I'm going to send my spirit. And there's gifts of those spirit, of the spirit. He said, I took captivity captive and I'm giving gifts unto men and women. And to you, you have gifts. You have talents. You have things that God has only deposited inside of you that only you can perform. You might be the key when you finally listen and are obedient to the Lord. You might be a key to an entire system that needs you. You gave me the ability to do things that I can never do in my own strength. You gave me power to go where I could never hope to go in my own intelligence. And I know, God, you've given me a calling by which your name is to be glorified. You've given me a calling. So you have to say today, I choose today to believe the report of the Lord. Can you believe this this morning? Number two, another possibility as to why I may feel like I have an itch that I can't scratch. 
So number one, if this is you, it's just believing an evil report about yourself. Number two is going astray, drifting, going astray. And I remember, you know, the people may come in and, and they're walking and, and they're, they're youthful. They're full of this youthful energy and maybe it's sometimes misdirected or misharnessed energy. I remember my father-in-law calling me when I was young a wild stallion. Difficult, but needed tamed because I had a lot of energy. And in my mind, I had these plans to do other things with it. And God says, I'm going to use you. And I'm going to redirect your energy. This energy that you have for God. Being excited right after I graduated, going to, to, to Bible college and trying to make things happen. I didn't know what to do, but I was excited. I, w I had a lot of energy, and I knew God was calling me. Listen to this, Psalm 42.4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. I used to go. That's become our testimony as Christians. Well, I used to do this. How many of us in the body of Christ have this testimony today? I used to go. I, I, I used to be. I used to have. I used to love. I used to pray. I used to believe. I used to. What has happened? There's a drifting, this subtle drifting that happens, that takes place. See, every, everything becomes I used to, just like Solomon, the former king of Israel. He was given this task on the earth, and what a, what a, a, a difficult task outside of God. No one could do anything like this. But it wasn't just like building, it was maintaining this, this displayed glory of God, this manifested glory of God, maintaining it. Maintaining is much more difficult than rebuilding from ground up. Maintaining the displayed glory of God and, a, and even a place of prayer and worship for God's people. And in order to fulfill this assignment, this task that you've been given, God says, I'm going to give you giftings to complete this task. I'm going to give you specific things that you and only you through my divine providence will be able to carry out. You are important. There is a caged lion, so to speak, in every one of you. Listen to this. He was given this task on this earth. Just like we have received, we've all received a task. We've all received an assignment. We've all received a mission. We've all received giftings of God. And according to the word, Solomon was given wisdom, unmatched, unrivaled to any man before or since. But this is kind of crazy because this is how we got it. According to the word, this was just, he started this ministry in simplicity. And it, and it, was, and it was maintained and, and God continued to bless it out of just a simple prayer life. 
of just simply going to the Lord in prayer at night or maybe in the morning. It was a time of personal prayer where God makes things known to you. So if you say, yeah, I used to pray, you're not getting those things. And God's trying to get your attention maybe in another way so we feel frustrated and we have an itch we can't scratch that only God can satisfy. And he's putting you in a position where you are frustrated because you're not listening to him. We need to be free, church. Free to do the work of God, excited to do the work of God. God appeared to him and said, listen to this. I mean, the new movie Aladdin's coming out, I guess. I've seen a preview or whatever. I mean, listen to this. God says, he shows up to Solomon in 1 Kings 3, 5 and says, ask of me what you would have and I will give it to you, end quote. What? We, we, it seems like we feel everything's so out of reach. Everything's so impossible. And God shows up and says, ask of me what you would have and I will give it to you. This isn't something that we consume on our own lusts. This is driven by the desire that God has placed inside of us. My goodness. And we all know what Solomon asked for. He asked for wisdom. But see, God, it, it says it pleased the Lord that he gave him not only wisdom, but also riches and abundance because God says he goes above and beyond what we can even think or imagine. So he says, I'm going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you riches and abundance, and he gave him more that he can hope for. So kings bearing gifts from all over the earth you know, I have a desire to preach the word. I always have. And sometimes I wonder, like, even on Sunday mornings, I hope they show up. I hope they're here. The Spirit of God draws people. You see evangelists all over the world. You're like, well, how do you get started as an evangelist? How does one do that? Well, we have the internet. Just put your name out there. Job opening, evangelist. Would it, what? So there. How do you begin to do that? There's reports all over the world that people just came because the Spirit of God drew them. We go to them, but God says that the Spirit of God draws people also. See, the presence of God through Solomon was given, given out through his life. Does your life give out the presence of God? Do people recognize that it's something different? It couldn't get any better at this point. The temple was dedicated and Solomon knelt and he raised his hands to the heaven and prayed that God would be glorified in the earth by answering the prayers of even foreigners. People from afar, a distance would come into his presence. God was so pleased with Solomon at this point that his glory came down into the temple so powerfully that even the priesthood couldn't stand and minister because that's what the glory of God does. It renders everybody prostrate. Listen to this. Sadly, Solomon, and we're talking about the second reason, drifted. He kind of wandered. He kind of went astray a little bit. And this is what we do. We have an itch we can't scratch, so we do this. I hope that this can define you this morning. You have an opportunity to respond to this. 
So sadly, Solomon even grew bored. I get bored easily. Anybody else? Now, I know the old saying that says, if you are bored, you're boring. You have no creativity. Find something to do, right? But I, I, have, a, I have like a time. I'm like, all right, I need to make an impact like somewhere else now, like fast. So it's more difficult when God says to me, wait. Does anyone have a personality that conflicts when God says, wait? And you're not that patient. And now it's been 17 years and you're like, I I've been waiting for 17 years. Bored with familiarity maybe, which tends to be the struggle of all humanity. So people become bored, listen, in their marriages. People become bored in their jobs because they always seem to want something new that will satisfy them. But we know that it's only going to last for a certain amount of time. It's almost unthinkable, really, that Solomon was such a great calling on his life, but not only a great calling, God doesn't equip the called. He calls, he, he, he calls and then he equips. He doesn't call the equipped. We can't be ready. But he calls Solomon with such this great call, and then he deposits such great gifts inside of him, and then Solomon then, after time, begins to drift, like we do. It's easy to drift. It's very gradual most of the time. We're unaware that it's happening until one day God just kind of seems far away. We go to church. We attempt to enter in to worship and worship becomes familiar but we can't seem to really touch it. It's just like maybe a few feet out of a grasp. I'm trying to break through, Lord, but I can't quite get there because it's become familiar and we're bored and we drift. We can be completely present right here, but not be here. So we might be left wondering kind of like, why? Why, God? Why am I so frustrated? Why do I have this itch that I can't scratch? Why have you created this thirst in me and this hunger, but I, can't see, I'm, I just can't get satisfied? Because there are hindrances. We create those things. We make things up about ourselves. So really, Psalms 42 talks, God has created this thirst in us to draw, him, draw us back to himself. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? See, if we heed this thirst and we do return to the Lord, we won't end up like Solomon, that at the end of the life you're saying, it's all vanity and vexation and pointless and worthless. So sometimes we drift and we're frustrated because we can't seem to be satisfied. We've lost the former joy that we've once known. Listen to this. Maybe a third reason that you feel like you have an itch that you can't scratch is that the call of God on your life is too great. We can't do it. We can't fulfill it. We can't handle it. It's out of reach. We'll never get there. We'll never, never obtain what God has called us to really do. See, maybe the Lord is calling you to something that you've never considered. As Christians, we sometimes just think church is a punch-in, punch-out time card. And we're never really considering what God really wants from us. 
I know that more than once in my own life, it just seemed that the hand of God really has, has just kind of lifted. Where'd you go? Have you felt like that? And I think he does this. He creates this dissatisfaction. He creates this hunger. He's out of reach. He does this because we, we may not even consider him otherwise. So he does this. We get to these points. He tries to speak something to us, but we're not listening. He creates this moment where out of even intense, even just annoyance, where are you? Where did you go? What are you doing with me? What's happening to me? Where did my joy go? And at that point, the Lord might say, okay, I'm I'm glad we're finally here together. Now, we need to talk. We need to talk about something. You can ignore God sometimes for a while. But he will get your attention. And he's saying to you, I want to give you a deeper joy that maybe you've never known before. I want to know, I I want you to experience the joy of the father when he covered maybe his prodigal son when the prodigal son came back. See, there's a difference between this focus on self and this rejoicing for others. We become all about ourselves and life is pointless. It is worthless if it's just me. And God wants to shift our focus because we have to go from being an immature Christian that's has a lot of energy, but there's a maturity and a seasoning that has to take place. You know, if, 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 if I had, um, if Luke came running up, it would be silly for Luke to come running up to his grandfather saying, Pappy, Pappy, Daddy, Daddy, to Jace, I love you, I've met. That's kind of weird at his age. He almost has his license. If you're a baby, it's cute. If a baby came up on stage, it's cute. But not a full-grown man. Running up the stage, daddy, daddy. That's not, that's not normal. There has to be a maturity that takes place. A seasoning. All these hardships that we're experiencing are for a purpose. Some throw in the towel, some give up, and don't, they don't look back. Or I should say, all they do is look back. The world, but what, I want to do this. These people over here are having fun. God separated you from that. He's calling you out of that. He has an unbelievable, unique plan for your life. And I pray that God helps you to not sleep. Some of you are losing sleep right now over the things that the devil is sowing into your life. I hope that that changes to where we can't sleep and God calls us out of our bed and says, yes, Lord, you were calling me. What do you want? What do you want from me with my life? And when you start to do that, he'll give you rest and peace like you've never had. You'll sleep three hours and feel like you've had ten. I've been there. I'm telling you, you have to respond to this call that seems out of reach, that seems too great. And experience this love of this, this father that, that, that covers his son, that empowers his son, that puts shoes on his feet. He struck up the band. He killed the fatted calf. He began to dance before his whole household. 
and say, I know you want to put a joy that is deeper than just coming to church and asking, what do you have for me today, Lord? What are you going to give to me today in the house of God, Lord? And Jesus says, it's not that, it's not that. I'm not doing that. I'm setting before you an open door. You have an open door, and he's saying, I want you to go through it. Go through it. I set before you an open door. Go through it. Stop sitting on your hands. Don't worry about how you're going to win the battle once you go through the open door. Don't worry about the resources. God says, I'll provide them. Everything you need will be provided for you on this journey that I and I alone will take you on. In other words, you have Psalm 42.7 that says, we've, we've heard this, deep calls to deep. What is that? Deep calls to deep. I think when you start to mature in Christ, you start to allow God to season you. It's the, the deepest part of who God is. The deepest part, the depths of God is calling out to the depths of the gifts and the resources that he's placed in you. Deep calls to deep. The depths of God is calling to the depths of the gifts and the talents and the resources that he's called you to do and to be and to go. We, that's hard to respond to, but you can feel it. Something's different. Something's more alive in me that has never existed. He wants to take me through this journey I don't want to go, I don't want to do it, but I know that all things work together for good. For those who love God and are called. Listen to this. Maybe you've been feeling down. Maybe there's an itch that you can't scratch. Maybe you have to dig a little deeper to respond to your calling. There's some deep digging that has to take place to respond to this. Maybe you still feel like you have an itch you can't scratch. Perhaps God is calling you maybe to arise and to, to glorify him in a way that you haven't yet considered. I had a lot of youthful zeal. I still feel like even at 40 I have a, a lot of energy to give to the Lord. God is calling us to a place of maturity. Seasoning new hope. Not just to show up but to a deep work of God for the sake of others. Not for ourselves. We have to be called out of that place. Not showing up to church because we get this tingly feeling in, in his presence or we have this emotional experience or we experience this euphoria and our hands are up and we get goosebumps and oh God, you can do. It, ha it's, it has to be deeper than that. There comes a point where childish things and childhood has to be put away and some of you might be babes in Christ so to speak you just gave your heart to the Lord you just started coming well get ready because God has called you to a unique purpose a unique calling that only he can fulfill through your life and only in you what he's deposited he's going to start to make withdrawals he's going to start challenging you he's going to start to make you uncomfortable those are exciting times So it has to be in this Christian life when we stop living for ourselves and start living for the benefit of others. Not continually seeking to have our own needs fulfilled. See, now our joy will come from 
from entering into the work of the Lord, the work of Christ, what he has called us to do. There's no greater satisfaction. The saving of the lost, that's what that is. I had a young man a couple of weeks ago come to me. He messaged me and he said, I, I need to get saved. It's something I have to do. I'm like, that's easy, that's easy. We met and we had lunch and right there in the restaurant led him to the Lord. It was an easy salvation. There's a hunger. You get to a point. You get to the end of your rope and at the end of your rope is the beginning of God. There's, there's the dissatisfaction that the world, you won't get satisfaction from the world. You can't. It's impossible. You can try. You can waste years. But God says when you finally give your heart back to him that he rightfully owns, he bought you with a price. He will restore every year that the canker worm has eaten. He will restore those moments, those times. And he will even go beyond and make it better than it ever has been or than you ever thought it could be. It's what he does. He restores people. And we're called to be a part of that work. It's where the lasting presence of God is found. We no longer live with only the, this first felt joy of salvation. We now, now we rejoice where it says when one person repents, thousands, ten thousands of angels rejoice in heaven. Now we can be part of that rejoicing. We can rejoice with those angels because God has shifted our focus from ourself to rejoicing and living for the benefit of others. We take part in that rejoicing. You say, man, when you give your heart to the Lord, ten thousands of angels rejoice over you, and so do I. Life-altering experience, an upheaval, a change forever. Surrounding yourself with the right people who love the Lord. We have to return to praise. We have to return to a place of worship, even though the, the psalmist is saying he, 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 in the beginning, man, as the deer pants for the water, there's this desire, there's this dissatisfaction. I want my soul to yearn after you. But listen to how he ends the psalm in Psalm 42, 11, speaking to his own soul, because sometimes you have to speak to yourself. You have to pump up yourself. You have to look deep inside and say, what's the matter with you? Get up. Quit sitting on your hands. There's something inside of you that I've placed. I'm going to make you unsatisfied. I'm going to make you to a point where you get satisfaction in no other way. And it's going to be frustrating for you. But I'm doing it because you're not listening to me. And then he says, yeah, I basically he turns to himself and he says, man, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Get up. Why are you cast down? Why are you disquieted within me? Why are you being so quiet about the Lord and what he has done for you? The gospel. What God has done for me, he can do for you. That is the gospel. Why are you disquieted within me? And then he says this to his own spirit, his own soul. Man, hope in God. Hope in God. Get up. And he says, for I shall yet praise him. Yet. Yet, I will praise him. The season's coming. People won't know why. They won't be able to recognize it. But I know. Man, it says, I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. God can change my countenance. He can give people hope through the way that I talk and appear and walk. Because I'm a child of God. 
Stop sitting on your hands. We have to return to this place. No matter what he had been feeling, he had this determination in his heart to say, God, I will praise you again. I will praise you again. I'm done with this dryness. I'm done with dryness. My testimony will no longer be, I used to pray. I used to go. I used to say. I used to be. I used to believe. It will no longer be, I used to go with the multitude to the church. Today, I'm going to go back to the house of God. You have to speak to your own soul. You have to pump up yourself. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Today, I'm going to go back to the house of God. I'm going to get involved with the work of God. Quit sitting there. Do something or else you will drift. You will drift. You will all of a sudden not show up. You have to get involved with the work of God. I'm tired of being hungry and thirsty, but never being satisfied. What are you saying to me, Lord, this morning? Listen to this as we close. You can take the lights down. We can start the music. Go ahead and do those things now. That would be great. As we close, listen to this. I love this, and I refer to this in a video about St. Patrick because, you know, we, we make a mockery of St. Patrick's Day. We don't know who St. Patrick really was. Everything's green. It's an excuse to get plastered, right? But listen to what the real St. Patrick says. On the Lorica, the Lorica of his shield, as he goes into battle, he says this. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen?